0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to TrailerCast. This week's episode is a listener letter episode. And if you don't know what that means, that means I am answering real life questions from you via this episode. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Trailer Cast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place. And this is my attempt at doing that. Sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. These episodes are so precious to me. There's so many reasons why, but just to name a few. For one, being trusted with your story is an honor I take really seriously. So thank you to the people who wrote in. And if this is your first listener letter episode... I want you to know that you can write to me anytime at hello at com, and then I respond anonymously to your letter here on TrailerCast. What's really neat about this is after I release these specific episodes, I tend to get a flood of emails from people connecting to the questions or to the stories, and it reminds me of how connected we are to each other. You know, because a lot of the time people write in and they're like, they feel like they're the only one, and... When I see these additional emails coming in, it is amazing to watch the strength that comes from a connection of community from people who don't even know each other yet. So if you are on the fence about writing in, please do so. I tend to gather letters throughout the year and then put them together in episodes and then respond like I'm doing today. Today's letters are both pretty serious. And so that's just a heads up. We're going to go to some pretty raw places today. And I just encourage you just to listen well. Remember, we don't always have to be familiar with topics or feel like that's something we want to hear about, but we rarely get access to conversations like this. And so if it makes you feel uncomfortable, that's okay. It's okay to be uncomfortable when we talk about real things that are not dinner table appropriate. My hope, as always, is to bring light to these concepts and to hope for the people that are living through them. So let's honor each other in that and consider listening the whole way through as we learn to hold both discomfort and compassion. Hello, Elise. I love listening to your podcast. It is one of my favorite things to listen to on my way to work. I'm writing you because I am about to face a person I have avoided for many years for a good reason. But I can't avoid him anymore, and I would appreciate any advice you can give me on how to handle the situation. Context would be helpful, so here is a brief background. On the outside, my family looked normal. My father held a good job and provided for the family, and my mom was the homemaker. We looked like every other family in our community, and my parents were active participants in the community and well-known and liked by everyone. That is where the normal ends, though. For most nights throughout my childhood, until I left for college, my father would sexually abuse me. I did work up the courage once to tell an adult when I was in junior high, but was met with a, I'll be praying for you. I grew up in middle America in a small, very Baptist-influenced community. When I graduated high school, I moved as far away as possible for college and never looked back. It has been over 10 years since I have been back home and I never spoke with my father again after I left, despite his efforts to contact me. In all the voicemails and letters I received from my father after leaving, not once did he admit to doing anything wrong and he never even attempted an apology. Throughout the years, I still spoke with my mother and had even confronted her about the abuse, but she had excuses for him and ultimately it came to light that she knew but also felt powerless to do anything. I should also mention she dealt with multiple mental illnesses that left her ill-equipped to deal with a lot of things. Now that you know a little bit about the backstory, the reason I am writing is because my mom has passed away and I have to go home for the first time in 10 years and face my father at her funeral. I am not sure how I'm going to handle being in the same room as him. How do I mourn the death of my mother while sitting in a room with someone who I wish was behind bars and could be banned from attending? The reality is my parents stayed married till the day my mom passed, and I know he is also mourning the loss of his wife. It is odd to feel hate and compassion for someone, but I feel both for my father. I know my father will want to talk to me, but I still have no desire to talk to him. I just want to go lay my mother to rest and then finally be able to wash my hands of ever returning to that town. I could use some advice on how to be around someone who has hurt you, but does not seem to have any remorse. I will only be there a few days, but I know there will be multiple instances where we will be in the same space. Thank you for your help. Okay, Um, we're going to start with, you are so brave and beautiful and incredibly powerful. What I hear in your story is this insane capacity to hold the both and, and to continue to seek truth, and then for people to know that this is the truth. So what I hear most is I hear a fierce commitment to yourself. I'm going to tell you that as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, that's usually the first thing to go is the commitment to self. So I love hearing that there is that thread in there that says, no, I deserve for this to be known. I love it. So here's some things. You can hold both. Sometimes it helps when we first come to a thing we want to repair, is to separate it into two main parts. Let it live in black and white and hold them separately. On the one hand... Your abuser who has never been held accountable, to whom you feel hate, and on the other hand, a man who is mourning the loss of his wife. You can hold them both separately in order to honor that you need to have feelings for both and separate processes for both. See, when we hold them together in the super tangled mess, there's this conflicting like situation that sounds like this, God, I hate him so much. Oh, but I feel so sad for him. Oh God, but I hate him. I know, but his, but his wife died. And, and, and we just twist it and twist it and twist it. But when we pull that apart and when we hold them separately, we can allow one stream of feelings to go unaffected by the other. I hate this man who hurt me all those years and has never suffered a consequence or apologized. And as I grieve my mom, I also hold space for compassion towards a person who has just lost their wife. My encouragement to you is to keep them apart as you grieve them fully, allowing a full stream of feelings to go in those two separate directions. A full cycle of feelings should end in a place of acceptance. That's how you know that you've done the work on the separate pieces is when you feel like you can look at both hands and hold them in a posture of acceptance. I accept this. I accept this as the reality, as something that has happened, as something I know how to hold. The next part of the work, okay, would look like holding them both together to acknowledge that it is in fact the same person. That is more complicated, but it is also true. So after you have done the work to grieve them separately, we then bring them together and integrate them, holding them as one. And then we grieve that whole thing, the both and of it all. This is not a short-term type of work. This is a long process. It's not something that we do all at once. It's not something that happens overnight. It's something that as we take gracious steps towards it, Standing in truth, making room for healing and not giving up until wholeness and lightness go together into every part of your story. And that is what it will look like. So don't give up, not that it sounds like you're that kind of woman at all, but just know you're not alone. You can walk this. You can stand in the both and and face your past while demanding a better way forward. Keep the space, the physical distance as safely away as you possibly can be. And also going to encourage a good therapist, one that knows how to deal with trauma. Maybe a survivor's group. There's groups all over the country for women who are doing their work together. Um, a book recommendation would be The Courage to Heal. You can get that on Amazon. It's a beast of a book. But if you are looking to do some work, it is so good. Um and here's my other thought. Is continue cultivating your life outside of all of those things. Okay, so like in the same way we separated your dad into two people, it is okay to separate your younger self and your right now thriving self as you do some work, and then we would come back and integrate that woman too. Okay, so we never want to stop the growth and goodness of now to go back to something that was dark and awful. You don't have to. So in fact, we need your healthy adult self to go back to do the inner healing work. However you move forward in this, No, you are already so damn strong. You are an ambassador of truth. Your voice is good and necessary. I hear you. I believe you in your story. And the best part about this is you don't need anyone in order to have complete healing for yourself. Your wholeness is not contingent on your dad. It never has been you are free to live into you and to be all the way better. I need you to know that. When people suffer childhood sexual abuse and we think about the type of abuse that is going on during the developmental stages, there is a different type of injury, especially when it is ongoing, especially when it is something that is within the family. If people are listening right now and they've never heard a story like this, I need you to know it is way more common than you think. I am not telling you that To frighten you. I am telling you that because it is a reality. The reality is, God, I can't even, the stats are just killing me right now. It is staggering to know how many people survive sexual abuse inside their home before they're 18. Sit with that for a sec. You are not alone if this is your story. You are not alone if this is someone you know, story, if it was a sibling. It is a common story and one that deserves to be in the light and in this conversation and to know that people make full recoveries from this. When I, I used to work specifically as a child sexual abuse therapist, my, all of my practice was trauma and all of it was children that were surviving um, sexual abuse. Before I did that work, it was my biggest fear. It was my biggest fear for my kids that that would be the one thing that that would happen. I wouldn't be able to protect protect them from and that would be like the end of it all, right? That's how I felt. After doing that work for that many years... It is not my biggest fear at all now when raising kids. I, I, It's not. I can tell you very honestly and seriously, that's not my biggest fear because I know it's something that people recover from completely and go on to live very normal sex lives and have get their body all the way back to being themselves. So giant hope disclaimer you will get through this. You will survive this. This is just something that has been a part of your story, but it is not the whole story. So you deserve to have some work on it so that it's something that we can integrate into as a part of your past, but not as something that's going to forever define who you are. From my own experience, I am also a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. When I look back on my story, I look at it now with, with, so many years and so much work outside of, that, out of those experiences that I'm like, I know that that was me. I know that I endured those things, but I can stand in it without feeling traumatized or activated or overwhelmed or shut down or shame. Like I can tell you about it and not feel like, oh God, I'm embarrassed, about who finds out? Because I'm okay. That's the point of healing is that you're going to be Okay why else would we go to therapy and work so damn hard if we weren't going to get better, right? That's like, if you don't feel better in the work, like when you're done, then it's like, then we need better help or, or we're not all the way done yet. You will know, friend, when you're on the other side of this, when we get to talk about this openly and you feel like, damn, that man is sick and he is the one who gets to carry the story. I don't have to anymore. So, there was another part of your story as I read back on your letter I did want to comment on and that was when you were in junior high and you decided to use your voice to advocate for yourself and you weren't heard and you weren't heard by a place that was supposed to be a sanctuary of safety for you I apologize to you on behalf of that church in middle America that did not know better and on behalf of that person that did not know how to hold your story and what was going on. This is not to demonize that person or that church or the church, but to know that when we do not know how to hold a big thing and we offer somebody and I'll pray for you, that's not enough. And that is not okay to send somebody back into that story, Period. I am sorry that there was injury added to injury. I am proud of you for going to a place that spoke safety to you. I hope that that has been repaired for you as well. We can do better. We can do better as as people and as churches and as places that are supposed to be safe for children. We can do better. And conversations like this allow us to do better. When we say, if someone comes to you and lets you know that, that they are being abused, we say immediately, I believe you, that is not okay, and we're going to figure this out. That is so, so much better, right? And then if you don't know, then we go to the people who do know, and we go and get help. But if that person is a minor, it is immediately illegal and immediately not okay, And we deserve to have conversations like this so people don't continue to use their voice and then are shamed back to secrecy. So, soapbox, (laughs) coming in hot. Um, We will do better. We will do better. Thank you for your bravery in sharing this letter. When I think about you and you going and facing this scenario, I encourage you to make all the room that you need to for your own grief of your mom. And you do not have to complicate that grief with a compounded story of the history with your dad. You can leave that part out as you begin to grieve. When you feel ready, then we get to layer that in and integrate that into the work and to hold them both together. But sometimes we have to hold it separately and then together and then separate and together. Think of it like an accordion. We move them close and we move them apart, move them close and we move them apart. And we move in that flow as a way to honor the healing process. That sometimes we can hold those things really close together and sometimes we need to stretch them out and hold them really far apart because it's just too much. So pay attention to what you need in your own healing journey. And remember that. You know the truth of the things that you have experienced and it's not contingent upon your abuser to ever acknowledge that for you to get better or to make it real. He does not need to be a part of your healing journey for you to get better. I just can't say that enough. The person or the people who hurt you or me or us do not have to be a part of the healing journey for you to get all the way better. We are capable, completely capable, of finding complete healing and total restoration without that person. Okay? All right. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you keep using your voice. You guys, these letters, as I said, are clearly big and intense. And I'm so thankful that people find enough safety and bravery to write in here. Again, nothing is too big that we won't go through that here. And nothing is too taboo that we won't go through it here. If you have a question, it's worthy of being asked. Next letter. Hi, Elise. I wanted to write you about something I'm going through that has been really hard and I'm not sure how to deal with it. My mom just tried to commit suicide for the second time, and I don't know how to help her. She is in a hospital now getting treatment, but I'm worried about her and how to help her when she gets out. It might not seem like it, but she is a good mom to me and my sister, but she has struggled with depression for a long time. I'm supposed to go to college next year, and I worry about leaving her and my sister. My parents are divorced but my dad is still around and we stay with him half of the time but he's remarried and has another family so he is not around to take care of my mom. I'm worried if I go to college she will get worse and my sister will be alone. It is already kind of lonely to be going through this because even though some of my friends know what is going on, none of them have experienced anything like this so it's the awkward subject everyone tries to avoid. At least right now me and my sister have each other But if I leave, I feel like I'm abandoning her and my mom. It feels like what I want and what the right thing to do are opposites. I want to go to college, but it feels like the right thing is to stay and help take care of my sister and mom. I would never forgive myself if I went away to college and something happened to my mom. I'm so confused on what to do, and I'm worried most about losing my mom. I want her to get better so badly, but it does not seem like much has helped. I love my mom more than anything, and I want to do whatever I can to help her. Thank you. Girl, this is quite the pickle. So let's talk through a couple things. Depression is real. Suicide is real, obviously. And none of those things are because of you or your responsibility. Your mom is really suffering. And she needs better care and solution than what she is receiving right now. Depression and suicidal ideation are treatable. I'm also going to shoot straight with you on something. Whatever care your mom needs is beyond what you can solve. I know that is a frank statement to make. But when someone is at the point of actively trying to take their own life twice... They need something different, and this is also not your fault. So we're going to talk about you first, and then we're going to get to mom. When we live in a house, when a parent suffers from mental illness of any kind, it is exceptionally lonely, and the roles are often inversed, okay? Like a parentification. And there's this overarching sense of responsibility that falls on the kids. So if we were sitting here together in the trailer today... I would want to know, what else have you compromised? What else have you given up in order to take care of other people? How far does your sense of caretaking and responsibility extend to? I would want to know who takes care of you. Like, who really takes care of you? As capable as you are, and you are, you need care too. We all do. So we're going to go into another form of separation here. We need to separate out mom's true self and mom affected by depression. So your mom is not depression. Your mom and her best self, I want you to search that out. Do you remember a time where she wasn't plagued by this or sick like this? Do you remember what your mom and her truest mom self sounds like, looks like? What's she about? And I want you to hold that in one hand. Your mom and her best self. And what would she want you to do about college? Think about it. See, as hard as this is, your mom's welfare is not your responsibility, even if you have been responsible for her. Okay, this is going to rub up against some things inside you that don't feel good. When I tell you something and you feel like, oh, or you cringe or you hold your breath, just notice it. Pay attention to the parts of you that want to reject this and the parts of you that might feel totally relieved if I told you to go to college and be free. See, this is hard. And I can feel like it can almost feel impossible to make this decision. And maybe that's why you wrote in. And you're right. There's conflict here. You said it yourself. It feels like what I want and the right and what the right thing to do are opposites. I want to go to college, but it feels like the right thing is to stay and help take care of my sister and mom. So another question I might have for you is, if it wasn't about right, what would you choose? If it wasn't about what's right, what would you choose to do? If it wasn't out of guilt, what would you choose to do? If it wasn't about never being able to forgive yourself, what would you choose to do? Maybe the conflict you're having within you is about what is right. I want you to know also that whatever you choose, whatever you choose, you are a good, good daughter. And you will still be that if you choose to go to college and your sister lives with your dad. You will be a good daughter. Your mom's mental health and her stability are not a reflection of how good or responsible of a daughter you are. They are separate. It is okay for you to go to college. It is okay for you to have a life and to not be responsible for whether or not your mom is actively trying to harm herself. Again, pay attention to the rub. When I say that, when I tell you, honey, it is okay for you to go to college. Whatever parts of you is like, I don't know, that's the part that still needs to do some work. Here are some other things, some other frank statements for you. Suicide is never anyone's fault. I'm going to say that again. Suicide is never anyone's fault. Your mom does need better care, but that is not coming from you. She needs professionally trained and informed care. She's going to need a medication evaluation and a psych assessment and someone who oversees her case that is, again, not you. I'm going to throw out some resources your way. There is the National Suicide Prevention Line. If people who are listening also don't know what that is, 24 hours a day, seven days a week If somebody that you know or are with is feeling suicidal, is thinking about killing themselves, has tried killing themselves, this is a resource you can jump on at any point, call somebody, and there is someone on the other line just to talk to. It's 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. There's also a new texting line. I want people to hear this too. This is a crisis line. So whether or not it's about suicide, you might just feel someone might feel depressed, someone might feel like they are in crisis, something's going on in their home and they don't know what to do. There are crisis counselors available and all you have to do is text the word home, H O M E, to 741 741. So it's a line for people within the United States to text if they are in any form of crisis. It's including but not limited to suicide. Text HOME 741-741. Okay. Aside from that, I really do want to encourage you to consider what you need and who is in your support system. When I'm thinking back on myself making this decision, so you've you've only lived your life to the point that you're at right now. I know that sounds obvious, but listen, if you were to live five years beyond your right now self, 10 years beyond your right now self, will you have wished you went to college? See, whether or not you go is not going to affect your mom's mental health. She has something that is going on within her that is beyond your choice to go to college or not. If you stay, that does not mean your mom's going to get better. See, sometimes we like to play with odds like that. We think, if I, then. But when it comes to mental health, that's not how it works. Your mom needs someone to help care for her, and you get to make a decision free and clear about going to college and what you need to do. I do hope that you feel clear. Whenever you come to your decision, that you feel clear and that you give yourself permission to really go, I'm going to tell you college is hard as is it's hard enough to go away from home. It's hard enough to be in the dorms and meet all these new people for the first time. And it's scary. It's fun. It's all those things too. But it's also a lot. So just know that when you make this decision, it sounds like you like, it's not like you're going on vacation, right? It's not like you're choosing like, oh, I'm going to choose the easy way out and go to college. You choosing to go to college is still a big adult decision. So whatever you choose, know that you are not um, taking the easy route by going to college. That is still a big old beautiful choice. Um, truly, feel free to email me back. If you want to like continue to flesh out these decisions and just have something to bounce ideas off of, I would love to help walk you through the rest of this decision. But just know you get to choose you and that still means you're a good daughter. Okay. Those are going to be the two that we do today. I have a couple more on the docket coming up for another couple episodes. But for one, you guys, thank you for everyone who is listening today. The concepts surrounding childhood sexual abuse and suicide um, are not conversations that everyone is privy to, nor are conversations that everybody is having. So, if you are wanting to have more conversations like this, more candid conversations, and you're like, God, I don't even know where to start. Why don't you try by sending this podcast to somebody and then talking about it? Like if you're like, okay, I, my friend group, blah, 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 my, my whatever groups you're in, I don't know. But if you want a conversation starter, use this podcast as that. I am going to be launching a new series. I'm not going to talk too much about it yet, but I'm going to be launching a new series um, called Candid Conversations. And I hope that they become good food for thought for people sitting around a table, that they're conversation starters for people about conversations that tend to be taboo and we don't have to talk about and we need to learn how to talk about better. And this is partially the beginning of that, that the more that we can have conversations and learn to be uncomfortable and learn to ask weird questions, well, then the better we're going to be at taking care of people who are going through these things. So for everybody listening, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for honoring the people who wrote in by listening to their story and, and part of the, being part of the conversation and solution. You make the world a safer place by being aware of what's going on in it. So if you were here today with me in the trailer, I'd want to look you square in the face and dead in the eye and tell you seriously thank you. You being willing to listen through makes the world safer and better for someone else that's good okay if you want to write in your own letter hello at elisesnipes.com If you have thought about doing some one-on-one work and you would like to talk to me about that, please, same email, hit me up. I'd love to help you. We're doing um, some new fun things in 2020 with Radical Wellness. That is my modern holistic wellness group, which means that every single one of our services are available via the internet. So wherever you are in the world listening to this podcast, you can work with my team of women. I have therapists and coaches, Enneagram coaches, spiritual directors, embodiment coach. We have everything available online. So I know I'm hitting that home, but truly we need help and we need help outside of our community sometimes, or sometimes just something that's easy that you don't have to also get a babysitter for or also leave work for. So wellness, wherever you are, you can check that out at www.radicalwellness.co. Other than that, you guys, weekends are happening in 2020. We're going to North Carolina, Holden Beach, and we are going to Austin, Texas, and Bali. If you're interested and would like to join me, I'd love to have you come. So again, you can check all that out on my website, elisesnipes.com. Okay, have the best week, and I will look forward to connecting with you guys again soon. Thanks for listening. To connect with me, suggest a topic for the show, or ask a question from your own life you would like to have answered, email me at elise at trailercast.com. E L Y S E at trailercast.com. You can also see more on the Trailercast website or follow me on Instagram at trailercast, where you can watch the renovation of my vintage mobile office and see more from behind the scenes. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends.